Hi, it's Louis Giglio coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, and I just wanted to say welcome to the Passion City Church Message Podcast. Uh, it's just awesome just to be able to say hello to everyone personally and to say how honored and how humbled we are that you are on this Passion City Church journey with us. And I also just wanted to let you know that as a church, uh, as the people of Passion City Church, we're taking a bit of a Sabbath break together. It's the end of the summer for us. We've had an amazing year. We've enlarged the place of our tent. We've stretched our curtain wide. We've lengthened our cords and strengthened our stakes. And God has just responded, and the wind of the Spirit has blown, and more has happened than we really probably could have dreamed or thought in the first few months of this year. And so we just are coming to a place where individually and collectively as Passion City Church, we're just going to pause. And in that moment of Sabbath, we are going to rest ceasing from our labors, and we're going to remember. We're going to look back and be grateful for the faithfulness of God to every generation, but specifically in our lives and to us as a church in Atlanta, Georgia. And we're going to just cease. So for a few weeks, we won't be meeting as Passion City Church. People will be spending time with their families, doing the things that refuel their hearts. And then we'll be coming back together and heading into the fall where we have some massive things that we're trusting God for at the end of this year. That sounds interesting to you. You can read a little bit more about why we took a Sabbath break as a church together. You can go to passioncitychurch.com. Just check out our blog. The entry that's posted this week will tell you a little bit more of the heartbeat behind the Sabbath break. But I know a lot of you are checking the podcast week by week, and you're doing that from places across America and literally around the world. So for the next few weeks, we hope that Uh, You'll join with us as we replay a series of messages that we did called Us. And these three talks really just capture the vision and the DNA of Passion City Church, the way that we want to be positioned and poised in the midst of culture to make the greatest possible impact for Jesus in our generation. And so dive in. I hope you'll enjoy if you heard the messages before. I'm sure God will speak to you in a new way, but a lot of you may not have heard these, and this will just help reframe the whole direction that we want to be moving in as a church together. And so enjoy the series, Us. Uh, Think about us and pray for us, our leadership and our team, as we're in the midst of Sabbath break and lifting our eyes up to God, building confidence again in who He is and what He's going to do and continue to be in and through our lives. And then we'll be back with you with live messages from Passion City Church in just a few weeks. Thank you again for being in it with us. We are more than humbled to have a small part in what God is doing in your lives. We just pray favor and grace over you in every way as you seek to make your lives count for the stuff that matters most. So enjoy us. We'll be back with you soon. Take care. Well, the title is Us. Uh, the point of the whole series for these next three Sunday nights is this, that we are creating community here at Passion City Church. And with that, we're forging culture. Do you know what I mean when I say we're forging culture? Just nod along if you think you know what I'm talking about when I say we're forging culture and just keep staring at me with that look if you don't. And uh, okay, that's good. Um, forging culture means that everywhere we go, your family has a culture. You know what I'm talking about? Your office has a culture. Your neighborhood has a culture. 
If you're in class, your school has a culture. It's that environment that we create everywhere we go. It's how we talk. If you notice when you go to some people's house, they kind of do, do their meals one way and everybody kind of relates to each other one way. Then you go to another people's house and they kind of have a whole other culture in their house of the way things go. And churches are like that. Churches have cultures. How many of you get what I'm saying now? Every church has a culture. And so we're creating a community and forging a culture. But here's the tricky part. We're all coming from communities and from cultures. So there's a lot of cultures in the room, and we are, have this incredible opportunity to forge a common culture together so that Passion City Church down the road, you know, someday in the future, people will think Passion City Church. I get it. You don't have to, I don't know if I can explain it, but I get it. I understand the culture of these people. But then a new thing is happening now that's kind of cool. We're not just creating community, not just forging culture, but we're actually moving into a neighborhood. Okay, I was hoping that get more. Really, really counting on that getting more, Matt. I was thinking that was gonna be big news to people who have to go to the website and find out where we are and drive around town every week. I was thinking when I said we're moving into a neighborhood, people were gonna go, man, I'm so excited and so ready for that. But I was excited, but I, I'm still excited. We, we're, we're, and don't do it now, but we're creating community, forging a culture, and as a people, whoever's with us here, we're actually gonna go move into a neighborhood. And so when we do that, Together, we, we all have to be on the same page. And, and I'm thinking that's where we're going and how we're gonna be a force is by being on the same page. And so these last uh, three weeks of Sunday night gatherings, I wanna talk about us, if I can. And just to back up, give a little preface to that, I'm not talking about us in the sense that the talk's all about us and church is all about us tonight. You know us and passion well enough to know that it's all about him, right? And uh, he's at the center of everything and life's not about him and it's not about you. And that's probably the greatest wake-up card and calling card for any of us in our life, whether we, we get it or don't get it, whoever you are tonight, that's a simple message tonight for you. And for me, it's not about you. And we understand that about our neighbors and our friends and we want them to know that, but God wants us all to know that. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about him ultimately. So when I say us, I'm not saying I wanna put us at the center tonight. I'm just saying that when I say us, I want us to grab onto this idea tonight that we are the people of God. That is a big, big deal and it comes with a gigantic opportunity and that's to be God's representatives in the world. There aren't any other people that can do that but the people of God and if you're one of the people of God, guess what? The mission isn't just to get to heaven, the mission is to be one of the agents of God in the world so that the world's hope is Jesus, but it's Jesus through the people of God and the body of Christ, which is you and me, so you can deduce that to the hope of the world is the church, being the church in the world. That's us, and it's who we are. This series has the longest subtitle I've ever given a series that I've done in my life. It's Piper-esque, if you know what that means. I mean, it's, it's so long, it almost requires an explanation, which would even be longer, but you just couldn't cut any words in my thinking. And here's the subtitle. It's us, the potential and power of the people of God for the greater good 
of the whole wide world. That's the subtitle. So if anybody asks you what we're going to be teaching on next week, just tell them. You know, it's us doing the thing on us. You know, that's the potential and power of the people of God for the greater good of the whole wide world. In other words, humanity is waiting on us. And God is counting on us. Now, you've got enough history with me to know that that was not a call to legalism, workism, meism, usism, doism. You know, oh my goodness, you know, the, 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 the whole world's waiting on us. We, we, they're counting on us. God's counting on me. So I, you know, no, God's counting on God, but God is using us. God's counting on himself and the power of his life inside of us, but he's counting on himself in us because we're it, we're it, and we're the hope of this city. Rich, poor, north, south, east, west, the people of this city are counting on us. They're counting on the people of God. And so thus, we're talking about us, the potential and power of the people of God for the greater good of the whole wide world. In other words, we're talking about the church's potential, and specifically this little slice of the church, our potential to be about the common good of the city of Atlanta. You see, that's bigger than getting 10% more people to come next year than came this year. That's bigger than just getting a building and, and getting a good offering and having some cool programs for our families. It's a broader vision, and the vision is we wanna be about the greater good of the city. Who should be about the greater good of the city more than the people of God in the city? We should be the most people about the greater good of the whole city, and we should see the city as an opportunity to show God's greatness, mercy, power, hope, provision, and restoration to the whole city. That should be in our thinking, and it should be in our view. And as we go forward, I want us to know who we are. Did anybody see the movie, We Are Marshall? Anybody see that movie, show of hands? I, I, a few of you, okay, it took you a while to remember. Yeah, we saw that one. I didn't see the movie, should I see it? For those of you who did, any recommendations? Yes, I thought so. Matthew McConaughey is in it, I'm surprised we didn't see it at our household, that's just a little private inside thing. But uh, shocker there, but... Um, uh, some of you understand that. Some of you guys understand that. Um, but I did see the trailer, and I've never forgotten it. That's a pretty cool movie when you see the trailer, and you've never forgotten the trailer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about that didn't see the movie? 1970, a plane crash happened, and the entire Marshall University football team died along with the coaching staff, a lot of the boosters on the program, and the whole football team was just put on, on a thread. And then a coach comes along, the, the program that was just gonna be shelved is revitalized, and he brings them back from the ashes. That's one of the lines in the trailer. I don't know if it made it in the movie, but he says, we're gonna rise from the ashes. And then there's this little clip at the end of the trailer, 
Now, I've never been so moved by a trailer. I love it. You can go Google the trailer, by the way. I was going to show it to you tonight, but I, I thought I'll just let you go do that. I'll give you something to do later tonight. Just go Google the trailer of uh, We Are Marshall. And at the end of it, I think this must be on the campus, but people are coming from every direction. They're gathering all outside some building. There's some guys up. I don't know who they are. I guess administrators are important people who are about to make this decision, I'm guessing, in my mind. Am I doing okay so far? I didn't see the movie. And they're not sure whether they're going to save it or not save it, but all of a sudden people are gathering. There's a movement going on. I like movements. So people are, bunches of people, thousands of people are gathering out in the campus courtyard and they're all coming with one big confession. You you know what they're saying, right? Because I told you the title of the movie. They're saying, we are Marshall. We are Marshall. And I mean, I'm watching the trailer going, we are Marshall. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm into it at that point. They're the thundering herd, by the way, Marshall University, in case you didn't know. I love that mascot. I mean, I'd I'd like, if I was going to be a football player, I'd want to be a part of the thundering herd. I mean, if you were winning, that's a good mascot to have. That's pretty powerful. And so I'm I'm thinking that way tonight. I'm thinking there's got to be something that catches in our hearts that we all gather together and we can say together, we are something. We're something. And the closer we are to saying the same thing, the more forceful we're going to be as we move into the world together. One of the guys I read a lot says a thousand pianos all tuned to the same fork play in harmony. And so obviously the fork in our case would be the Holy Spirit. That's all of us tuned to the same Spirit of God But it's that spirit of God creating for us our unique place in the city and in the world. Who are we? Who is the us of this potential and power of the people of God for the greater good of the whole wide world? And tonight I'd like to offer this, that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. I hope at some point it becomes a part of the nomenclature of our community that people come into our world and they get a sense of these people are all tuned together to the same things and one of those things is they believe they are the light of the world. Come on, did you hear that? We are the light of the world. Now you're sitting there looking at me like you've been to church already today. I mean, this is crazy. Now, I hadn't been yet, so I'm, I'm a little excited still because I didn't get any out this morning. See, I got it all inside still. First talk I've heard today. In fact, I've heard this one already once today, and I'm still into it. <laughs> We're the light of the world, people. Now, if that's true, if that's true what Jesus said, then that means the potential and power that we hold for the greater good of the whole wide world is extraordinary. And I I love it, didn't just say we're lights in the world. You see, that's a whole nother light. That's me over here saying, well, you know, I'm a light and I'm down here in the world. That's, that's, That's not exciting, that's not movement. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light for the world. He was assuming 
a world of people who were kind of tuned out spiritually to the great plan that he had for their lives, and he was assuming that we tuned into that plan would be the illuminators of the great plan of God for the lives of the people in the world, that they would see light and see life because of you, because of you. Now see, that to me, that would cause me to wake up and start taking some notes right there. That would cause me to wake up and go, oh my goodness, it's not just about I got in, I'm a light, I'm going to heaven, that's fantastic, but now I've got a calling and my calling is to be the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. In case you're not 100% sure about that, let's read it together in Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 13. This is what he says. Jesus Christ speaking here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. So we got two things going. We could do that one too, but you kind of can combine these into the same idea, which we're gonna synthesize tonight with even another phrase. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? In other words, if we had a big ice storm here and they had a big salt deposit somewhere and they filled all the trucks up, but the salt somehow had turned into sugar and they went out and spread it all over all the streets of Atlanta, it would be crazy and worthless. And he's saying, you've got a great role to play here, but you have to continue being who I'm making you to be to play the role that I'm really counting on you to play. If you lose your saltiness, then being the salt of the earth isn't gonna work out too good. Not only does he say, is it no longer good for anything, except at the end of the day, it's thrown away and trampled by men. The worst thing that can happen to us is if we can cease to be who God made us to be, and at the end of the day, the city just drives right over us and keeps on going, never knowing the great purposes and plans of God for their lives. That's a tragedy. And he said, that's the kind of thing we've got to stay away from. And then he says, parallel to that, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, they say he was teaching this with the context of the Sea of Galilee in mind. And if you've ever been out on this big lake, you understand that up in these hills are the cities and they're very bright and very obvious at night. And so he's pointing up to one of them saying, you're like that. You're, you're bright and everybody can see you because of the brightness of your life. It can't be hidden. And he said, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. I know I've never done that before. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to who? Everyone in the house. That's the greater good of the whole wide world. And we're gonna talk about this a little bit tonight, but we're moving into a neighborhood and I got great vision for that neighborhood. Our team has huge vision for the neighborhood not just to get people to come to our building, but for the whole neighborhood, the whole house, for everybody to see light. And, and, and that's what Jesus is really talking about. When you light a lamp, you don't put that lamp inside a church building and say, hey, we got a great light going over here. No, you put the lamp up on a stand so that everyone can see it. Not just the Christians can see it. Not just the church going crowd can see it. Not just the people who do understand God's great purpose and plan for their lives can see it. You put it in a place where everybody can see it because you're the light of the world. And humanity's waiting on us, and God is counting 
on us to be the light of the world. I don't know about you, this is already blowing me up out of my little world. Is this dynamite in anybody's little world already? I get up in the morning, I go to work, I make my money, I do the thing, I go to the basketball practice, the baseball practice, the gymnastics meet, the piano recital, we come home, we do it again, we do it again, we do it again, we do it again, oh, we go to church if we're in town and we can and everybody's up, nobody's sick and we get there and we do that and it's all great, we're going to heaven, it's fantastic, we all love it. This is dynamiting that. And it's getting us up out of that little bitty mundane rote world that all of us are gravitationally pulled into day by day by day to look on this greater plane and say, man, look, we are on this planet for a purpose with a calling. Our calling is to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world. That's who we are. We are not just Christians in a church, a certain kind of brand or stream or name or denomination. We are God's people on earth. And we're the light of the world. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before men. In other words, fantastic if it shines in here. (laughs) But that's not really the goal. Because it's pretty bright in here tonight. Not extraordinarily bright, could be a slight bit brighter, but it's pretty bright in here tonight. I hear Chris laughing over there and wants to say amen. I hear it. So it's not about getting in my little group of people and being bright. Wow, look what I'm reading. Look what I understood. This is the verse that God's using in my life. Oh, I thought so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, I'm gonna speak at so-and-so and so-and-so or I've got my little prayer group and we do so-and-so. All of that is fantastic. We're gonna end there tonight, but that's not what this passage is about. It doesn't say let your light so shine before your small group. And I mean, turn it on when you're in there with your Christian friends. Go to town. Impress them. Knock them out. Be amazing. No, he said, let your light so shine before men. Because you're the light of the world. You're not the light of your small group. Not the light of your prayer group, your discipleship group, your Sunday school class, your, you know, whatever. You're the light of the world, so let your light shine before men. And here's the payoff, people. Don't get discouraged and don't buy the lie and don't buy into this belief that, hey, nobody wants to hear about God. Nobody really cares about Jesus. Nobody's really looking for a church. Don't believe that. Don't buy into that. People are opposed to the gospel. People don't want any truth. Don't buy into that. Oh, you can name a few that are, absolutely. But here's the promise. If you let your light shine before men that they will see your good deeds and they will praise your Father in heaven. We are the light of the world. And as a result of that, if that becomes our culture, we are going to see a lot of people who are not presently praising God, we are going to see them praising God in a month to come, in six months to come, in a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and into the future, we are gonna see an unbelievable number of people come into the worship of the creator of the universe. And I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why. Because, You were the light of their world. Had nothing to do with me, Matt Redman, a great band, leaders, a church, 
it was all about you being the light of the world and they saw you and you were enough to win them over to the cause of Jesus Christ. You know, the question that kind of is hanging right here that I'll just sit out there and we'll come back to later just if there's not enough tension already is so who's praising God right now? Who wasn't praising God maybe six months ago because you've shined such beautiful light before men. See, this is the plan. This is the plan. And it's unstoppable. This plan is unstoppable because it doesn't require a building, a budget, an organization, a program. This is like viral 101. You can't legislate against it. Supreme Court can't stop it. Some judge can say National Day of Prayer is unconstitutional and Jesus isn't gonna go, oh my goodness, we're gonna have to take this out. This whole light of the world stuff is gonna have to go because they're not gonna let people have a National Day of Prayer. Well, congratulations, it's unconstitutional to have a National Day of Prayer. What in the world is gonna stop the people of God on that day from praying? Who's gonna do that? I mean, what's gonna stop the people of God from praying? It is unconstitutional. Unstoppable. It's unstoppable. And no one can stop you from being the light of the world before men. No one can. They can imprison you for it, and they do in a lot of places. They can kill you for it, and they do that in a lot of places, but they can't stop you from doing it. And you've got to know the most powerful light before men was the light people shine right before they took their life. You've got to know there's no more powerful light than that. And some pastor, some church leader, some Christian, somewhere in the world today did that. And the last thing their murderer saw was the light of Christ on their face. And I'm telling you, I, I just have to believe that brings about more Christians, not less Christians, because of how that light must look in that moment. Our clear calling is to know who we are. And we are the light of the world. So what does that require? It requires that we see a new mandate and that's to get into the places where light must shine. So now we're getting to the heart of it tonight. That means to get into the, help me? Thank you. Into the dark places. <laughs> because that's where light must shine. We have a mandate now to be the light of the world. And with that mandate comes a, an obvious component, which is I have to get into the places that need the light. I gotta get there. I gotta get into the world. And so here's my thinking on that, that God has sent us into the world to be in the world, not of the world, by the way, in case you were getting a little bit nervous there. We are not of the world. We are of God. We talked about that in the last series. So we don't take our cues from the world. We take our cues from God because we're not from the world. We're from God. So we're not of the world. And we're not taking our cues from the world. But I'll tell you one thing. We really are in the world and we're happy about being in the world because we got a job to do and our job is to be the light of the world. And it's hard to be the light of the world if you're not in the world. It is hard to be the light in the world if you are not in the darkness. It's really hard to do that. And that's what Jesus wants us to be doing. So we're like, I'm excited I'm in the world. I'm not looking for a light convention. 
I'm looking for the world because I want to be in the world. Not of the world and not taking my cues from the world, but I want to be in the world. Can anybody say I'm with you on that? I want to be in the world. Not above the world. Sometimes the church has a real tendency to get above the world where we're looking down on everybody. We got it all figured out. We're holier than thou. We're better than everybody else. And we're not like all those terrible people who don't go to church or don't know God or whatever. And we're kind of above the world. That is not our calling and mission to be above the world, but to be in the world. It's not our calling and mission to be below the world either. And a lot of churches don't get it. They think, oh, you know, there's the real world, and then there's this kind of like Christian subculture down here, and we're never as good as anybody else. We can never make movies as good as they do, and we can't quite make the thing as good as they do, and we can't quite do this as good as they do. We're kind of like always trying to be, you know, look at over here at us. You know, we're, we're good. We're, we're cool, too. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And so we, we kind of get this idea, this kind of like, this kind of, you know, weird kind of idea about ourselves that the world is real and, and we're not. And I hope you don't have that here because at Passion City Church, we're definitely not gonna ever have any above the world attitudes. We're definitely not gonna have any below the world attitudes either because the world's not better than us. You know, Ephesians in the message, I love the way it says this. It says the, the church is not peripheral to the world. In other words, there's this big gigantic machine going on and the church is kind of over here trying to, you know, yeah, yeah, can, we, can, can y'all look at us? We're the light. Kind of, hey, hey, over here, a little bit of light. Everybody, woo! And the world's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. We're the, we're the machine. The, the, it says the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. In other words, when it's all said and done, guess what? There's not gonna be a world. But when it's all said and done, there's gonna be a church. And so we're not below the world, we're not above the world, we're in the world. Can I say a couple more? We're not afraid of the world. Crickets. In other words, our goal isn't to insulate our stuff from all the big bad stuff out there. So we're just gonna create layer after 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 layer of stuff until we're all in here safe and secure from the big, bad, dark world that we were called to be the light of. Because you know, it's dangerous out there in the world. So let's all gather round. Close ranks, be safe. I got news for us. Safety is not the highest value in the kingdom of God because the king of the kingdom of God was not very safe the day he gave his life for the humanity that was waiting on him to serve the God who was counting on him. And so we're not afraid. We're not walking around going, oh, I don't know what they're doing down there. Oh, I don't want to Oh, I'm not sure. Let's just get in here where it's safe and secure. I hope you're with me on that. It's kind of quiet. We're not against the world. You're like, oh, I'm against some of the stuff. Well, the scripture says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So if that some of the stuff has a name on it, we're not against that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual forces, spiritual powers. We're in a absolute 
death match, if you will, spiritually with the power of darkness. And fortunately, we know who's not going to die, and that's us because of Christ. And we are in warfare with the forces of darkness, but we're not in warfare with people because we're the light of those people because we're supposed to live our lives before men. Can I disagree with some of their values? Absolutely. Can I stand up for truth when truth is being maligned? Absolutely. Do I want to be right in any circumstance at any price? Absolutely I want to be right. Do I want to hold on to an absolute standard? Without question I want to do that. But I don't want to walk through the world making lists of enemies because they disagree with me and threaten the safety of my little Christian world because I got a bigger calling than that. I'm called to be the light of the world and greater is he who is in me than he's in the world. So yeah, the world's dangerous, but not more dangerous than Jesus and Jesus is living his life in me. So I've got confidence that I can be in the world. I can be in the world. I can be in the world. And, and this is a little, and I won't go any further with this because it starts making people uncomfortable and really mad, but, but there's not anybody on this planet tonight that God's not being patient with, including you. Not one person that God's not being patient with, including you. And there's not one person on this planet, I don't believe, that can't celebrate the name and fame of Jesus just like you did tonight. And what they need is somebody to not be at war with them, but to look at them and go, I'm gonna be the light of the world to you. Because you could come the same way I came to know the power of Jesus. So yeah, we're gonna fight darkness. We're gonna pray against it, speak against it, stand up against it, believe God to, 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 to disperse it. We're gonna speak into the darkness. We're not gonna back away from darkness and we're gonna be at full on war with darkness. But we're not gonna be at war with people. Because the struggle is not against flesh and blood, it gets the powers, rulers, and authorities. And so we wanna be in the world agents of change for Jesus. I felt like there'd be a little tension here, so let me just jump to this. Where do we get this idea most? Where do we see this idea most? Where do we see this idea of being in the world but not of the world, not being afraid of the world, not being above the world, not being below the world, and not being at war with the world? Where do we see this most? Anybody? Where do we see this the most clearly and the most powerfully demonstrated? In Jesus Christ. That's where we see it most powerfully demonstrated. So he's calling us to what he modeled for us. And what did he model for us, Jesus? What, what did he model when he came for us? In fact, let me just back up and ask a question. How many of you were in that darkness? I mean, a really bad, 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 terrible, awful, disgusting, horrible, miserable, disgusting, horrible, miserable, awful, disgusting, horrible, miserable pit when Jesus came and rescued you. Can I just say, would you be, raise your hands? No, hold them up. Okay, thank you. Now, now, where were the rest of you when he rescued you? <laughs> oh, for real. That's, that's a real question. Where, where was everyone else? Because you just glanced down the road of your peripheral vision and went, oh, yeah, I know she's got some bad stuff back in her <laughs> life, man. <laughs> terrible. I mean, like, real bad. And so do you. 
We all came from a horrible, miserable, terrible, awful, disgusting pit. And the only way was because Christ came into our pit. He was willing to lay down godliness and he actually became one of us. He became flesh and blood. He was born in an animal's feed trough. And the first thing he smelled was not Johnson and Johnson. (laughs) The first thing he smelled was manure. They had to rush him out of the country because a massacre followed his arrival. Once he began to announce his ministry, one of the first people he called to be one of like his associates was a crook, a tax-gathering crook. And another one was a former prostitute. He touched the untouchable. He went straight to the lame. He healed the blind. He also took time out to go to dinner at a really rich guy's house. He gave dignity to the poor and spoke up for them. And then he made the most amazing decision when he took on himself the sin and the shame of humanity on his own life. His freedom was lost in a plea bargain deal with a convicted murderer. He died and the murderer went free. And when he went up to Calvary, he had human spit on his face. They crucified him on a garbage dump. And he was hanging between two thieves. And he says, you're the light of the world. Okay, they buried him in one of the wealthiest guys in town's unused tomb. He knew how to move with the up and out and the down and out. He's just as comfortable with rich people as he was with poor people. But he gave up his life on a refuse pile. Born smelling manure and dying smelling trash. And he says to you and me, I don't want you to be of the world because you're not, you're of me. I don't want you to be above the world with some superiority attitude because I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for men. But I don't want you to be below the world because I'm gonna tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. And I got a whole new kingdom coming and you wanna be a part of that. I'm not against the world. I'm up here dying for the world. 
I'm not against the guy that just pierced me with that spear. I'm not against the guy that just tore my robe in half. I'm not against the guy who's cursing me or the guy that pulled my beard out or the guy that drove the nails in my hands. I said, Father, forgive these men. They don't even know what's going on here. I'm not at war with anybody. I'm just at war with hell. And he says to you and me, I want you to be in this world. But I don't want you to be of the world, but I want you to be in the world. Not of it, but I want you to be in it. And that's the goal. We are the light of the world. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Let me just break that down really fast in a couple of ways, and uh, we'll worship. The challenge is to be immersed in the world, right? But to stay in love with Jesus. Isn't that the challenge? The challenge is to be immersed in the world but not become infatuated by it. That's the challenge. And we wanna meet that challenge at Passion City Church. I met with some parents this week and uh, I was telling them a little bit about Shelly and I's dream and our dream as a team for Passion City Church's kids, by the way. I just hope you know if you got babies, we like babies and we're trying to build a place down at 515 Garson Drive for your babies. We're really excited about your babies. And if you got three-year-olds, we like them too. If you got five-year-olds, we like five-year-olds. If you got eight-year-olds, we like eight-year-olds. If you got some 13-year-olds, we like them too. If you got teenagers, we love teenagers. If you got university students, we'll take them as well. We are excited about it. Now, let's meet with these parents and say, hey, here's what we're doing. And in this, you know, old expo, uh, by the way, can I just show you the place we're going? We're going to 515 Garson Drive. I didn't even know where that was until about a year ago. I'd been by this road, I, I don't want to exaggerate, 500 times in my life. It's a mile from where my grandmother lived when I was a little boy. I'd never been on this road. Finally, we got to this road. We're looking for a place that we can renovate pretty quickly that's already standing, that has a parking lot, no neighbors that don't like churches, like another store, another retail outlet. And finally, God led us to this place. We wanted to be verge, you know, uh, we wanted to be poised on the edge of the city. We wanted a, a place where we could really be a great light. And he just led us to this place. We, we, we didn't find the place. The place found us. And it's amazing when we first saw it. That's where we're going right there. That's where we're going. And what's really cool about where we're going is somebody said, when I saw that on your blog, it, it looked like a heart, and the church was in the middle of the heart. That's cool, isn't it? Some of you are like, well, I don't see that. Well, I know everybody can't be artistic and creative, but, um, you know, your neighbor does, so talk to your neighbor about it. So that's where we're going, right where 485 merged together. This location, getting out of there, going north on 85, is less than a mile, and you're on 85 going north. Less than a mile, you're on 85 going south. In a mile, you're on 400 going north, and you can get wherever you're going out of this place really easy. You can see it from 85. When you're coming out of town north and you take 85 north, you just look over there, and it's like, that's it, right there. You're gonna be surprised. Pretty amazing location. You know, people were always asking me, where's the church gonna be? 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 Is it gonna be in my neighborhood? And I would always say back, well, do you feel like you're a part of Passion City Church, like it's like your community? And they would say, uh-huh. And I'd say, well, yes, it's gonna be in your neighborhood. It's gonna be in your house. <laughs> They'd be like, you mean like a small, small group is gonna meet at my house or? <laughs> like, no, you are the church. We are the church. That's not the church. We are the church. We're as much of the church tonight in GACS form as we're gonna be down at 515 Garson Drive in Passion City Church. We're the same church. And you're as much of the church in your house when you go home tonight as you are when you're in this building tonight. We are 
the church. So this place found us. We didn't found it, but oh my, did it ever fulfill every dream we had for the community we wanted to create, the culture we wanted to forge, and the neighborhood we wanted to be in. It was all right there. If you go north on Piedmont, this is Garson Drive in Piedmont. If you go north on Piedmont, 1.8 miles. Most of you can run 1.8 miles. So if you just went 1.8 miles north, you're at Peachtree and Piedmont, which is called ground zero of the future of Atlanta, Georgia. That will be the epicenter of Atlanta, Georgia 10 years from now. Ground zero. It's, it's 1.8 miles north of us. It is high-end, fancy, rich, and beautiful. If you go west of us on Lindbergh Drive, one mile, so you can cut off the .8 mile, if you can't do that, just go west instead of north, one mile, Peachtree and Lindbergh. Just north of Peachtree Creek, just right below the split off at the Cathedral of St. Philip, and I mean, again, go a couple, half mile that way, you're in the big time. You are in the money right there. It is happening one mile. So north, epicenter, whoo, nice, fantastic, beautiful, one mile, whoo, cool, buckhead, nice. Same Peachtree Street, by the way, either way. So pick, pick which one you wanna go to. If you go a mile east, one mile, Claremont Drive, boom, you're there. Little sketchy. <laughs> Not knocking anybody who lives at Claremont and Lindbergh. There's a varsity there, if you didn't know it. That was a, one of the confirmation signs for us. There's a varsity within a mile of the building. We're praying they're gonna open a Krispy Kreme, but that's to be determined. If you go a, a mile south on Piedmont, very sketchy. Probably the most concentrated area, I know we're a mixed uh, crowd tonight, of uh, adult businesses in Atlanta, where a lot of people are forcibly working. A problem we call human trafficking on a global level happens in this town and it happens in the mile south of us. If you just drive real fast through that, it's only 5.5 miles to Virginia Highland. Ooh. That's where the cool people live. Like Eric and Daniele. Flickinger. So, you see what I'm talking about? It's a 50-50 proposition. And if you're not all ready to be light of the world, you can come down Peachtree to Piedmont or down Peachtree to Lindbergh. And you'll be, wow, whoo, this is nice. And if you're a little more ready to be the light of the world, you can go on down Piedmont or you can go over to Claremont. But I love the 50-50 proposition. 
It's a 50-50 bet. It's right smack in the middle. It's right there where the worlds meet. There's, there's black, there's white, there's Hispanic. There's a little bit of sketch factor going on. There's nice little yuppie houses over in Peachtree Hills. There's Buckhead. There's a whole new redevelopment going on. They tried to get the whole thing off the ground. The collapse of the, of the, of the real estate market kind of squashed a few things. But it's, it's a place where we can make light shine for Christ. And I got to tell you, personally, I love shining light to the north, and I love shining light to the, to the west. I'm really excited about shining light to the east, and I am so glad God put us there to be a light shining into the darkness that's south of us. God led us. He led us to the right place to be in the world and not of the world. So I'm telling these parents about our plans because in that expo, we, we designed this preschool area and this kids area and it's all semi-transitional for now unless somebody comes up to me afterwards and I just would love it if you would and said, I have an unlimited amount of money and <laughs> whatever you need, just tell me and I'll wire it to you tomorrow. And if you tell me that tonight, we will do something that will blow your mind. Because <laughs> we've got a plan that will blow your mind. But we're going to have to work our way into that plan. But we got a place for your babies and a place for your kids. And I said to these parents that were sitting there, I talked a little bit about the preschool and about the kids' ministry. We're calling it Passion Kids, no Z. And I said to them... Um, <laughs> I said to them, here's what I want to say to our youth pastor when we hire that person. Here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say to them. Here's what I'm going to say to them. I don't care if they have a goatee or a soul patch or if they have a tattoo or if they're cool. Not for it or against it. Here's what I want to say to them. We want kids to graduate from high school and to be sent out into the world. We want them to be cultural leaders, influencers of culture, empowered to change things, equipped for integration into the real world apart from their family and apart from Passion City Church because that's where they're going, and we want to prepare them to do that. Our goal is not to have a youth group that at the end of the day, we can all say, but they're good kids. It's not the goal, and it is not to insulate them from the world but to equip them and empower them for integration into the real world. I'm gonna tell our youth pastor are you ready to do this? We want our kids, when they graduate from high school, to be lovers of Jesus. We want them to be in love with Jesus. Can you do that? No, the Holy Spirit can only do that would be their answer, and I'd say that's right. But do you love Jesus? Do you really, really love Jesus? Is that what's gonna come out of you when you get squeezed? We want them to be full-on worshipers totally anchored in truth, 
but not detached from a personal connectedness to the person of God. We don't want Bible heads leaving Passion City Church. I know all the answers. I can, I can tell you all the answers. I've heard all the stuff. I've been to all the deals. I've heard all the things. Blah, 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 blah. I know all that. Congratulations. We're glad you do. We want to make sure that's connected in a personal way to a living relationship with the God of all creation. We want to encourage them to dream, to aspire, to achieve, and to risk, to risk for the sole purpose of making his story known in all segments of culture and among all people. We want to celebrate those who God calls to be leaders of the church. And we want to celebrate just as equally those who he calls to be leaders in culture. We want them to be prepared to sacrifice. So we do not want to build a youth ministry of entitlement, rather one of servanthood. To send out people who are prepared in their mind already to pay a price. And we want to send them out as global thinkers because we are the light of the world. The light of the whole world. So that's where we're going. And the challenge, I'll just wrap up. I left about most of this undone. But the challenge, I'll come back to it next week. The challenge, here's the challenge really fast. The challenge is that scares the daylights out of people. And it causes the church to go like this. And half go over here to compromise in the world and of the world. And half go over here and they're cloistered into their little Christian bubble. Bunch of them over here, oh, I love God, love Jesus, love the church, love all this stuff, but I am so flat out compromised in so many areas of my life. I am not salty, and I am definitely not lighting anybody up. And another wave over here of saying, we just are so afraid of that sketch factor that we're never going down there. We're gonna mail some light down there. <laughs> but I'm not going down there. Certainly never telling my kids it even exists. And they just cloister off together. And I hope our church is a place where these people over here don't feel very comfortable. Compromised people don't feel comfortable on a long-term basis here. And where cloistered people don't feel comfortable on a long-term basis here. There are some places you can go in the city, if I just speak honestly, where you can be compromised. 
And nobody's ever gonna get in your grill. Nobody's ever gonna call you to accountability. Nobody's ever gonna step up into your world and say, what are you thinking? Nobody's ever gonna call you to community at such a level that you have to give an account for your life. And you can go find one, and I hope that you'll, you're happy there as long as you can be happy being compromised. But I don't want you to, to find that kind of comfortability here week after week after week after week after week. We're all, in, in, uh, we're all fallible. We're all gonna fail. We're all gonna have our issues, and we all wanna embrace that, and we wanna embrace all kinds of people's issues here. I'm talking about long-term compromise people. I hope you don't feel comfortable here. And if you're cloistered and afraid and scared to death and trying to insulate yourself and isolate yourself and build up walls and get a little Christian community going so y'all can all be light together, there's a lot of churches in the city where you can go do that, if I speak honestly. And you'll never be asked to leave the property, go through the doors, or risk anything for the sake of lighting up the city. But this church isn't gonna be one of those churches. It's not gonna be a place of compromise, and it's not gonna be a place of cloistering together. It's gonna be a place where God moves us out. And the challenge of that is great, and I understand that. The challenge is huge. It's huge to be in the world, not of the world. It is a huge, huge challenge. And I haven't been perfect at it in my life and you haven't either and you understand that. It requires a community of faith around you and it requires being grounded in the words of God. It also requires a strategic and purposeful infiltration of the world. A view of the world that's redemptive and not retreative. Retreative is not a word I know. I'm making it up because I need that word right here. <laughs> a view of the world that's redemptive, that says God can win this. Light can win this. God can change that. That sketch can become praise for God. I have a redemptive view of the world, not a retreative view of the world, and it requires that you see every person as a person just like you, and that you love them with the same love and extended them the same patience and grace that God extended to you.